Hello, this is Doc Washburn. People ask us all the time, what happened to Doc? Well, we're producing video interviews, and they're very time-consuming. We hope to bring in some intern. <laughs> we hope to bring in some interns pretty soon to help us out and catch up and go back to doing more episodes more often. In the meantime, since we're between video interviews, it seemed like a good time to do an audio podcast and try to catch up on some of the news that has happened since our last one. So welcome to the Doc Washburn Show. We push back against the Uniparty and Deep State and let you in on the news the traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron, and please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. And make sure you check out our new conservative sports podcast, Red Pill Sports, with my friend Donnie Copeland, which drops Tuesday evenings at 11 p.m. Central. Now, if I had a dollar for every time I've heard someone say, look, no police officers were killed January 6, 2021 at the U.S. Capitol. Only one person was killed, and that was a Trump supporter, and her name was Ashley Babbitt. Well, I'd have a few bucks. But the problem was she was not the only person killed that day. Um, a couple of guys named Benjamin Phillips and Kevin Greeson were in the crowd of peaceful protesters when the police started shooting off uh, flashbang grenades and tear gas canisters and hit both of them, and they died shortly thereafter. But there was also the horrifying case of Roseanne Boyland, now, why do I bring that up over two and a half years after January 6, 2021? Well, there's an update over the epochtimes.com. The epochtimes.com, E P O C H. And for the people who say, well, it's behind a paywall, I can't do that, I'm not going to pay, you don't have to pay. You can register for free, just like I did, and read all their stuff. And, man, they're uh, they're doing a great job. Joseph M. Hanneman has the article. And look, we'll get to some uh, Trump and DeSantis stuff in, in a little bit, but I want to deal with this first. Joseph M. Hanneman, Hanneman at the EpochTimes.com exclusive security footage undermines key claims in police report and death of Roseanne Boyland on January 6th. Subtitle, Rescuers Spent More Than 60 Minutes Trying to Revive Her Lifeless Body, video also reveals. And he says, after CPR and other life-saving efforts inside a basement entrance to the U.S. Capitol failed, January 6th protester Roseanne M. Boyland was moved up one level to the crypt where D.C. Fire and EMS Department paramedics continued resuscitation efforts for another 40 minutes, according to new security video that has been recently released. Previously unreleased, Capitol Police closed-circuit television footage obtained by the Epoch Times adds crucial new details to the tragic story 
of Ms. Boyland, 34, of Kennesaw, Georgia, who died after collapsing outside the Lower West Terrace Tunnel on January 6, 2021. The security video deflates claims made in the initial Capitol Police report that Ms. Boyland simply collapsed in the Capitol Rotunda at 5 p.m. on January 6, 2021, and that the officer who observed her wandering around the rotunda immediately began CPR, cardiopulmonary resuscitation. Nothing that the Metropolitan Police Department relayed to Ms. Boyland's family from the January 6, 2021 report turned out to be true, except that she was dead. As security video conclusively shows, Ms. Boyland did not collapse in the Capitol Rotunda, and paramedics did not find her there, receiving CPR from two unidentified Capitol Police officers. Ms. Boyland's mother, Cheryl Boyland, thought something seemed off about that report at 4.23 a.m. on January 7th, She sent an email to the Metropolitan Police Department detective and challenged the contention that her daughter collapsed in the rotunda. She told the Epoch Times in an email, I was shocked and angry that the police would lie about Roseanne's death on their report to other police officers. The new video only deepens the stark contrast between the indifference shown to a pulseless Ms. Boyland by police outside the tunnel and the unflinching trauma care she received from medics, police officers, and paramedics once she was brought inside the Capitol. The video also underscores the desperate attempts to save Ms. Boyland's life by a group of fellow protesters who repeatedly begged police for medical help and began CPR themselves when no officers stepped forward. However, it does nothing to explain why Metropolitan Police Department Officer Lila Morris beat the unconscious Ms. Boyland with a walking stick while she lay supine and defenseless on the sidewalk. Oh, sounds like she might be a murderer then. Brett Boyland, Ms. Boyland's father, told the Epic Times, Once again, we are very appreciative of these people trying to save her, but... Come to the same conclusion as before, she got the attention way too late. Mr. Borland said in the initial wake of January 6, 2021, the family was unsure if his daughter got any medical care after she had collapsed. The new closed-circuit TV video helped to answer that question. Mr. Borland said, We were relieved to see they were actually trying to save her. Before seeing any of these videos, we just didn't know They did anything and maybe just shoved her over in some corner and ignored her. This video is more comfort to that initial uncertainty we had and helped answer that original question of what did they do after they dragged her inside. Ms. Boyland traveled to Washington to attend President Donald Trump's January 6, 2021 speech at the Ellipse. She traveled with a friend 44-year-old Justin F. Winchell of Marietta, Georgia. She was the last of four Trump supporters to die at the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. 
Ms. Boyland wandered into the Lower West Terrace Tunnel at the Capitol at 4.18 p.m. that day. At the time, the crowd in the tunnel was not violent, although serious fighting had occurred earlier. At 4.20 p.m., the police released gas into the tunnel, setting off a stampede of protesters toward the mouth of the tunnel. Ms. Boyland fell to the ground on the north side of the tunnel entrance where she and dozens of others became trapped under piles of bodies. Mr. Winchell told the Boyland family that Ms. Boyland collapsed after being struck in the chest with a projectile like a pepper ball. Protester Philip Anderson, who stood next to Ms. Boyland in the tunnel, told the Epic Times in 2022, I felt it because I can't breathe. That's what it felt like. So I turn around and run away. I tried to get out as fast as I can. If I had stood still, I honestly felt I was going to die. That's what it felt like. You're not going to be able to get air inside if you don't get out now. Over the past 18 months, the Epoch Times has assembled eyewitness accounts, police reports, open-source video, and police body cam footage as part of its investigation of Ms. Boyland's death. The new Capitol Police closed-circuit TV video was obtained through access granted by House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Previously released police body cam video documented the desperate pleas from the crowd for police to stop pushing protesters out of the tunnel. The unfolding tragedy was punctuated by cries of, Save her! Oh God, a woman's down, and there are people trapped under here. Protesters, including Edward Jake Lang, Tennessee Sheriff's Deputy Ronald Colton Maccabee, and podcaster Villain Phoenix, attempted CPR on Ms. Boyland after she was pulled away from the tunnel mouth where she lay unconscious. The podcaster, Villain Phoenix, said in a live stream broadcast on January 6, 2021, and I quote now, they collapsed inside that corridor from asphyxiation. She couldn't breathe, and they brought her out onto the main steps outside of that several people started doing CPR on her. I tried to get her a carotid pulse for several minutes. I cut part of her jeans away so I could try to feel her femoral pulse, and I couldn't feel her femoral pulse at all. I tried for a minute or two on both. The densely packed crowd became angry after seeing Ms. Morris emerge on the front police line and hit the lifeless Ms. Boyland with a wooden walking stick. Ms. Boyland was struck three times. That's what's shown on the body cam video now. Mr. Winchell said in 2021, she is laid out, maybe dead at this point, but they hit her at least two times in the body. And then they hit her once in the face, once right here in her nose, and some blood started coming out of her nose. Like, this is not a joke. Like, we were attacked. Mr. Winchell told the Boyland family that Ms. Roseanne Boyland was struck by rubber bullets, a fact relayed to the D.C. office of the chief medical examiner. 
Body cam footage reviewed by the Epoch Times shows a police officer firing pepper balls into the tunnel crowd at 4.20 p.m. just as police began an aggressive push toward the mouth of the tunnel. Pepper balls contain what's called PAVA, P-A-V as in victory A, a powder-based irritant similar to capsicum that forms a small cloud upon impact. Fired by compressed air, the pepper projectiles travel up to 300 feet per second. According to one manufacturer's product literature, the pepper cloud can cause skin irritation, serious eye irritation, and serious respiratory irritation. Exposure may result in copious tears, temporary blindness, burning sensation, and difficulty breathing. Stan Kephart, who has testified in court more than 350 times as an expert witness on policing issues, criticized the firing of a pepper ball launcher in such an environment. Mr. Kephart told the Epoch Times, Using a pepper ball in a confined space is criminally negligent since this tactic would likely cause panic in a compacted crowd that that had little or no means of escape. This is a basic of crowd control. Always leave an avenue of escape. Second, the short distance in the tunnel makes it more probable than not that the safe distance rule for the use of this less-than-lethal weapon, so-called, was violated, making the discharge potentially lethal. Third, the dispersion of the pepper ball material was intensified by crowd compaction. Now, Mr. Kephart previously told the Epoch Times that police officer Ms. Morris's use of force was a felonious assault under the color of authority with intent to cause great bodily harm. He said Ms. Morris should be prosecuted in criminal court and fired from the police force. The Metropolitan Police Department designated all uses of force on January 6, 2021 as objectively reasonable, including Ms. Morris's striking of Ms. Roseanne Boyland. Mr. Kephart also questioned the use of gas in an enclosed space because of the lack of easy egress and the tendency for the gas to displace the oxygen in the air. Numerous protesters who urged police to stop pushing the crowd down the steps and tend to Ms. Boyland were shot in the face with pepper spray. That's what the overhead security video shows. The initial crowd desperation turned to anger that prompted some protesters to attack the police line. At one point, the large crowd began chanting, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. After a few minutes of CPR attempts, six men carried Ms. Boyland back to the police line and set her in front of officers. Mr. McAbee shouted as police finally pulled her into the Capitol, Get a medic. Once she was placed at the center of two hallways in the Capitol basement, she received immediate medical attention. The first chest compressions were done just before 4.32 p.m. 
according to the police body cam video that is now out. Two U.S. Park Police medics took charge of Ms. Boylan's care. Chest compressions continued, and a breathing tube was inserted after seven minutes of rescue breaths. A Metro Police Department officer fumbled with an automated external defibrillator requiring a second unit to be brought in. Once the defibrillator pads were applied, the device didn't recommend a shock, but directed rescuers to continue chest compressions and rescue breathing. A park police medic reported agonal respiration, no pulse, just prior to 4.40 p.m. Agonal breathing is the medical term for the gasping that people do when they're struggling to breathe because of cardiac arrest or another serious medical emergency. Minutes later, he declared, she's getting cold. At 4.46 p.m., Ms. Boyland was moved to an improvised cart and wheeled up a ramp toward the crypt where paramedics were headed. Rescuers included Paramedic Sergeant Timothy Bennett, Battalion Fire Chief Christopher Holmes, a Park Police medic, and two unidentified Capitol Police officers. The new security video picks up when Ms. Boyland was moved through the crypt one level above the basement. It doesn't appear that the elevator was used, meaning rescuers carried the cart up the stairs to the crypt level. She was rolled through the crypt past the memorial door. Paramedics with a gurney met the group at the end of a hallway that leads to the house wing door at 4.47 p.m. After placing Ms. Boyland on the stretcher, rescuers headed toward the house wing door but stopped short and lifted her down to the floor. That probably should be lowered her down to the floor, but you get the idea. AMS Captain Ellen Kurland said in a January 6th documentary produced by D.C. Fire and EMS, quote, When we got into the Capitol, they had her on some sort of dolly or pull cart, and they were pulling her down the hallway toward us. We worked her for 30 minutes, and she had been down 20 minutes before we were even able to get to her, unquote. It was 4.50 p.m. Ms. Boyland had been down since about 4.22 p.m. Fire department personnel brought in cardiac monitoring equipment. An IV was started. Ms. Boyland was given epinephrine to improve blood flow to her heart. Chest compressions continued for 40 minutes. Firefighter paramedic Sean McGee said in the fire department documentary, quote, we moved her into the hallway where we could work on her on scene, unquote. A crowd of fire department personnel, police, and FBI tactical officers in full gear gathered around as rescue efforts continued. That is what the closed-circuit TV video shows. Ms. Boyland was given epinephrine seven more times, according to information released to her family by D.C. Fire and EMS after the eighth dose, the supply ran out. 
Ms. Borland was placed back on the gurney and taken back through the crypt to the law library where the stretcher exited the Capitol at 5.33 p.m. The ambulance didn't reach George Washington University Hospital until 6 p.m. Ms. Borland was pronounced dead at 6.09 p.m. After watching the new closed-circuit TV video, her dad, Mr. Borland, said he's left with the same haunting question. What if advanced rescue efforts have been started outside the Capitol when protesters begged police for help? He says, look back to when she was lying outside when Officer Lila Morris picked up that stick. If she would have started trying to help, maybe something would be different. Or if they would have started some rescue help even before that when the other protesters were yelling she was down and needed help. And then the EpochTimes.com has a complete timeline of events surrounding the death of Ms. Roseanne Boyland on January 6th. Never, never forget, never forget when someone tells you, well, no police died on January 6th or because of January 6th. Only one person died that day, a Trump supporter named Ashley Babbitt. Never forget, they're giving you the best information they have. They, they don't know any, they, they, they don't know. They don't know any better. They're half right. No police died on January 6th or because of January 6th. But four, four Trump supporters died that way. Died that day, pardon me. Benjamin Phillips, Kevin Greeson, Roseanne Boyland, and Ashley Babbitt. Most folks who know about Ashley don't know about the other three. I would recommend to you, if you haven't signed up for just a free registration to theepochtimes.com, I would recommend doing that. It's the, T-H-E, then E-P-O-C-H, times.com. And the article by Joseph M. Hanneman originally came out on July 24th, was updated on July 27th. It's called Exclusive Security Footage Undermines Key Claims in Police Report and Death of Roseanne Boyland on January 6th. Uh, a lot of Biden news out since we uh, last did an audio podcast and a lot of stuff going on with uh, Donald Trump and uh, Governor DeSantis. And we will get to as much of it as we possibly can coming up in just a moment. If you've tried to buy a car recently, you realize you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Auto comes in. Red River Auto is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Auto wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. Red River Auto Group has perfected the online buying process. Just go to redriverauto.com and pick from hundreds of new and used vehicles. You can purchase a vehicle online. If you have any questions, one of Red River's trained experts will help you through the whole process. Red River Auto makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. 
If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door, no matter where you live in the continental U.S., RedRiverAuto.com. You'll be glad you did. I want to tell you about the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, fibromyalgia, eczema, psoriasis, migraines? The Arkansas Upper Cervical Center might be able to help you. Let me tell you how. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, or C1, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it's designed to do. I had severe hay fever for five or six weeks every spring all my life and migraines year-round. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away and the migraines went away for good. Whatever malady you're suffering from, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation. They've helped so many people I know. Please call them to see if they can help you. That number for your free consultation is 501-279-2009. If you're outside Central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com. Click on the tab that says find a doctor near you, and I sure hope you can. You want to drop your big liberal cell phone carrier? Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier, is a perfect solution. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage and uses the same towers the main carriers use. Patriot Mobile guarantees your coverage. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget, along with great discounts for our veteran and first responder heroes, as well as multi-line users. And switching to Patriot Mobile usually only takes 15 to 20 minutes. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you shift your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Now more than ever, it's important to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Switching is easy. Just do what I did. Go to PatriotMobile.com. Or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Make sure you use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. All right, can I give you a little bit more January 6th stuff before we get to uh, Biden and Trump and DeSantis? Because I I feel like sometimes I'm I'm a lone voice crying out in the wilderness. I I feel like sometimes... It's not that no one at all is talking about it. But I really do feel like a lot of people don't hear what's being said. There's a distinction. You know, I, I can't say, oh, nobody's talking about this. Well, some people are. But if you don't know where to hear them, then it's like they aren't because you don't know where to hear them. Let me, let me give an example here. All right. George Hill over at UncoverDC.com. Article called The Story of January 6th Until Now. And it starts off with the plan. He says, The Story of January 6th Until Now. Only the planners 
know the exact date the story was hatched. Most likely just after the loss of Donald Trump to Joe Biden. Who actually hatched the plan remains open for speculation. Though mercurial and unpredictable, the now lame duck president Trump could be expected to raise a fuss about the election results, and his voters would be easy to to manipulate as they poured into D.C. for the Stop the Steal rally. It was the time for the kill shot and to end Orange Man once and for all. Much has been speculated as to how the Capitol Hill Police Force, the D.C. Metro PD, and the National Park Service could have failed in such spectacular fashion. Anyone who dares even to suggest there may have been a conscious effort on the part of the Democrat leadership to allow for some degree of failure is met with rabid attacks from all directions. These organizations have close to 500 years of combined experience handling large crowds. After all, President Trump's offer of the National Guard was turned down. What could go wrong? The trap was set for stupid people to do stupid things, and they did. The trespassers halted House proceedings for less than four hours. Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats repeatedly howled that our democracy was attacked by armed insurrectionists, led by the loser of the 2020 election, Donald J. Trump. The very foundations of our country were almost destroyed, if not for the heroic actions of the Capitol Hill Joint Police Forces. Four of them gave their lives in defense of, quote, our democracy, unquote. Never mind that we live in a constitutional republic, or that no law enforcement was killed on January 6th. Capitol Police released a statement saying, Officer Brian D. Sicknick passed away Thursday night, quote, due to injuries sustained while on duty, unquote. NPR reported, Brian Sicknick, Capitol Police officer slain by the mob, lies in honor in Rotunda. Now, No one can challenge that young Officer Sicknick was called home too soon. His untimely death, though tragic, though was unrelated to the events of January 6th. Yet that fact did not stop his beatification by Nancy Pelosi and her fellow Democrats years later. Many in the Democrats' sphere still claim that Sicknick was beaten to death by a riotous mob. Yet even the left-leaning PolitiFact wrote that a complete autopsy found that Officer Brian Sicknick actually suffered two strokes after the January 6th assault on the Capitol with no sign that any injury or reaction to chemical irritants played a role. On the evening of January 6, 2021, the FBI's Strategic Information and Operations Center abbreviation SIOC, sent out the first email across the Bureau to all 56 fusion centers recapping the events that unfolded the afternoon of January 6th. On January 7th, the SIOC 
communication channel was taken over by the Washington field office and Domestic Terrorism Operations Center, also known as DTOS. Fusion centers vary in size, but for this article, we'll say that 10 people are in each fusion center each workday. The fusion centers are jointly staffed by DHS, FBI, state, and local personnel. Also, in the communication chain were hundreds of state and local law enforcement, political appointees, and elected officials. On any given day for nearly a year, WFO and sometimes DTOS were broadcasting a carefully crafted narrative of an armed insurrection via email and conference calls. CNN, MSNBC, NPR, New York Times, Washington Post echoed those official communications on a daily basis. Now, the writer of the article said here, in my 11 years with the FBI, I have never seen the Bureau crowdsource leads. Not in the official tip line manner, but injecting detailed information into official Bureau records and sending to field offices as guardian leads. DTOS had an open spreadsheet where anyone with an FBI unclassified network, UNET account, could populate. That spreadsheet remained open to anyone with a UNET account for nearly two business weeks before a mechanism was created to receive inputs on a case-by-case basis. Assistant Special Agent in Charge, Timothy Thebault of the Washington Field Office, DTOS Section Chief Steve Jensen, and Assistant Director in Charge of the Washington Field Office, Stephen D'Antuono, picked up the megaphone on the morning of January 7th for over a month. Thousands participated in twice-daily nationwide conference calls where anyone with a phone could dial in and listen to the official voices of the FBI. These three individuals were authorized to speak for the FBI, so empowered, thousands listened each day to the official narrative. Dan Tuono was the leadoff speaker those first few weeks, usually in the morning. Each day he would recap the events of January 6th, including injuries, deaths, and arrests. Conference call participants were left with no doubt that this was the worst attack on the Capitol since the War of 1812. Though hyperbolic, D'Antuono's delivery was masterful. The afternoons were usually Thebalt and Jensen. Thebalt filled the role of D'Antuono, whipping up into a frenzy of how, quote, we nearly lost our democracy, unquote. During the few instances of more measured summaries, Thebalt would highlight who the FBI was working with to bring these insurrections to heel. The duo made clear that this was a whole-of-government effort and that, quote, we're all in this together, unquote. Jensen was more of a nuts-and-bolts speaker. He would lay out broad guidelines for investigations and reporting. As the winter months warmed and more information came to light, it became clear to many in the Bureau 
that scores of these investigations lacked any kind of predicate. Uh Uh-oh. Jensen's irritation with these now FBI-only calls was evident. Finally, in April, he snapped at the Baltimore field office saying, quote, we're going to round these MFers up their GD insurrectionists, unquote. Now, see, that is completely inappropriate. I don't care what anybody says. So this Jensen guy is a bad guy, in my humble opinion, and you're entitled to it. Thebalt, Jensen, and Dan Tuono were the official spokespersons of the FBI. They spoke to thousands of non-federal law enforcement personnel daily proclaiming that our country was filled with violent insurrectionists. Their breathless accounts of the insurrection and valiant defense of the U.S. Capitol matched perfectly with mainstream news outlets and Democrats from the House and Senate daily appearance. Instead of opening cases in Washington, D.C., where the event took place, field offices across the country were instructed to open cases on people whom Washington field office identified as being in the Capitol, traveled to the Capitol, or whose neighbors suspected were in the Capitol. It made perfect sense to the average citizen when FBI Director Christopher Wray testified that, quote, we're seeing a rise of extremism across the country, unquote. Now, the capstone of the entire drama was the January 6th committee to ensure that no emotional effect would be lost during the otherwise dry hearings, James Goldston was employed by the January 6th committee to add sound to the silent videos of protesters entering the Capitol. Goldston, in case you forgot, in case you haven't heard, was the former president of ABC News and a master documentary storyteller who literally ran Good Morning America and Nightline. Over 1,000 so-called insurrectionists have been arrested to date, and another 1,000 more by the end of 2023, according to the Washington field office. The FBI maintains its assertion of violent extremism sweeping the country. As of the date of this writing, no one has been charged with insurrection, but let's not let facts get in the way of a good story. Now, that is George Hill over at UncoverDC.com. The article is entitled, The Story of January 6th Until Now. Mr. Hill, by the way, served 26 years in the U.S. military, 13 years active duty USMC and 13 U.S. Naval Reserve post 9/11, he's a former employee of the he's a former employee of the NSA and now retired FBI supervisory intelligence analyst, and that is his article. Now, before we get to Biden, Trump, and DeSantis, I gotta give you a little bit more 
January 6th stuff because it's just crucial. And I don't know if you're going to hear it anywhere else. Julie Kelly, when the video came out on July 10th of police ambushing peaceful protesters. That's right. You heard it right. Police ambushing peaceful protesters in the rotunda on January 6th. And she uh, she links to the video in her Substack on her Substack page, which is called declassified.live. And she says, a common theme in the official January 6th narrative is that police acted heroically that day and suffered violent, unprovoked attacks by Trump supporters for hours. While some officers undoubtedly displayed courage in attempting to protect the building, and lawmakers, as a handful of violent protesters assaulted them, officers in many instances were the instigators, prompting unnecessary physical clashes with peaceful Americans assembled in a public building. Security camera footage shows how Capitol and D.C. Metropolitan Police officers ambushed nonviolent protesters assembled in the rotunda of the Capitol building shortly after 3 p.m., January 6, 2021. Cameras located at the north and south ends of the rotunda capture individuals walking around the public area carrying flags, and snapping pictures on their cell phones. It does not appear that any person is destroying government property or assaulting police. Members of the Oath Keepers had just exited the rotunda. A second group entered at around 3.17 p.m. And she has the embedded closed-circuit television video at 3.02 p.m. About 15 minutes after Capitol Police Officer Michael Byrd shot and killed Ashley Babbitt, a group of Capitol Police officers entered the south end of the rotunda and began physically shoving and grabbing people inside. One man appeared to be a senior citizen. Several D.C. Metropolitan Police officers clad in head-to-toe riot gear, followed Capitol officers and helped push the group toward the North Wall. Law enforcement had used so-called non-lethal munitions, including tear gas, rubber bullets, and stun grenades. On a large crowd of protesters assembled on the West Lawn of the building for nearly two hours by that point. Officers also deployed chemical gas inside the building right outside one entrance to the rotunda. Some individuals can be seen coughing and rubbing gas out of their eyes. At 3.05 p.m., a separate squad of D.C. officers charged through the east doors and physically engaged protesters, including women. A minute later, officers dragged someone who had been knocked down in the melee. Several scuffles ensued as D.C. officers shoved and in some instances punched individuals committing no crime aside from a misdemeanor trespassing offense. 
Another individuals can be another individual can be seen lying on the ground after being knocked down by police. A small group of ATF agents and what appeared to be FBI SWAT agents carrying rifles also entered the rotunda. Body-worn camera footage from a D.C. Metro officer gives an eye-level view of what happened during the ambush. And again, she has the embedded video. Physical confrontations continue for several minutes. At no point did police appear to attempt to arrest anyone or to guide protesters, many of whom had never been in the building, out of the area. And more embedded video. The conduct of D.C. police inside the Rotunda and other areas of Capitol grounds violated the city's use of force regulations. The department's 2017 directive ordered, and I quote, All members who encounter a situation where the possibility of violence or resistance to lawful arrest is present shall, if possible, first attempt to defuse the situation through advice, warning, verbal persuasion, tactical communication, or other de-escalation techniques. Members shall attempt to defuse use of force situations with de-escalation techniques whenever feasible. Resistance and response are dynamic. The subject's behavior and the use of force to control it may escalate or de-escalate during any given altercation until complete control of the subject is achieved, unquote. So, more body-worn camera footage revealed how officers escalated tension between police and protesters. Women can be heard screaming in pain as officers used batons to strike and trap people against a wall. One man yelled as police continued to shove protesters, I can't go anywhere. And then there's more embedded video. It is clear that police on numerous occasions did not follow proper protocol on January 6th. The use of physical force and non-lethal munitions on protesters assembled outside who posed no threat of violence provoked many clashes on January 6th. Not only was the aggressive behavior of D.C. and Capitol Police inside the rotunda unwarranted, completely catching people by surprise, but the building had been evacuated at 2.20 p.m. The individuals inside the rotunda did not pose a threat to lawmakers or staff. Officers should have guided people outside to clear the premises and allow Congress to restart proceedings. It is unclear whether D.C. police officials conducted any use of force investigations related to the events of January 6th. That is the great Julie Kelly over at her Substack page, which is called Declassified.Live, article entitled Video, Police Ambush Peaceful Protesters in Rotunda on January 6th. Okay, got a little bit more January 6th stuff coming up, and we're going to try to get to um, uh, Biden and Trump and DeSantis because there's just so much to talk about. 
as the Doc Washburn Show continues. Mike Lindell says because of your amazing support for MyPillow 2.0, he's expanded MyPillow's USA manufacturing and jobs. So he's clearing out his percale bed sheets by giving them to you at closeout prices. King size percale bed sheets, only $39 a set. Queen size, only $35 a set. Full size, $29 and twin size, just $25. Use promo code DWS to take advantage of this once in a lifetime offer. Right now, Mike's biggest My Slippers closeout sale ever is on. Get Mike's all season My Slippers and Sandals at clearance prices. Mike's all season Moccasin Slippers are just $25. Mike's My Slipper Sandals are just $19.50. They're both made with Mike's patented impact gel that absorbs and relieves pressure so you can comfortably wear them all day long. Just use promo code DWS for huge discounts. Remember, DWS stands for Doc Washburn Show. MyPillow.com, quantities are extremely limited at these amazing prices, so please order now. Just use promo code DWS. You know, the great Ronald Reagan once said, inflation is as violent as a mugger, as frightening as an armed robber, and as deadly as a hitman. Have you thought about the benefits of investing in precious metals? Here are five profound benefits. Number one, investing in precious metals is a hedge against inflation. Number two, it's a great way to diversify your portfolio. Number three, asset liquidity. Number four, precious metals tend to be a store of value. They don't tend to depreciate over the long haul. And last but not least, number five, precious metals can be a hedge against geopolitical uncertainty and the struggling U.S. dollar. Andrew Sorcini with Beverly Hills Precious Metals has been involved in gold and silver for over 40 years. Beverly Hills Precious Metals brings precious metals to the homes of everyday American citizens. Mike Flynn told us about them, and they are our gold buyer of choice. To find out more, just Google Beverly Hills Precious Metals. Make sure you ask about the general Mike Flynn silver coin and tell them Doc Washburn sent you. Beverly Hills Precious Metals helps folks protect their finances, wealth, and investments. Let me ask you something. Why continue shopping big box stores if you can get the items you need from a family-owned company? Now you can get around this crazy inflation by shopping factory direct at a family-owned made-in-America manufacturer. Americans are walking away from the big box conglomerates and deciding to buy only USA. Join with fellow patriots to cut off the cash flow of the big woke corporations that are trying to destroy our country. These products include fresh American-raised beef, raised in the Montana mountains near Yellowstone. This beef is known as never ever. Never has the animal ever been exposed to antibiotics, hormones, or vaccines. This prime or high-choice beef is shipped directly to your door. Pricing and availability is exclusive only to our members and isn't shipped anywhere else in the world. Let's start voting with our dollars to make sure our purchases are supporting companies that promote freedom. Email us at buyonlyusa at proton.me, and I'll have one of my guys contact you. Buyonlyusa at proton.me. All right, let's wrap up a little bit more, uh, pardon me. Let's wrap up, I'm saying July because it is July. Let's wrap up a little bit more. January sixth up before we uh, before we move on. So and and connected stuff to January sixth. 
Senator Chuck Grassley released the unclassified FD-1023, alleging then-Vice President Biden engaged in a criminal bribery scheme while the FBI sought to conceal it. Justice Department's whistleblowers helped to provide transparency so you can read it for yourself. Always remember that when liberals say there's no evidence. Oh, man, is there evidence. The great Jeff Carlson who writes over at the epictimes.com, among other places, responded these illegal activities by Joe and Hunter Biden took place while Obama was president. It defies common sense that Obama didn't have a general knowledge of what was taking place with his vice president. Why isn't Obama being asked about his precise knowledge of this? Julie Kelly says... Oh, I'll do you one better. The head of DOJ's Public Integrity Unit, the section responsible for investigating criminal abuses of the public trust by government officials from August 2010 until January 2015, was none other than Jack Smith. Right, the same Jack Smith who is leading the prosecution now over Donald Trump. The same Jack Smith who, by the way, by the way, was reversed by the United States Supreme Court 9 to nothing when he prosecuted Republican Governor of Virginia, Bob McDonald. A guy who was probably going to run for president. Yeah, that's uh, that Jack Smith. Prosecuted Governor of Virginia, a probable GOP presidential candidate right after McDonald left office in 2014 and was reversed by the U.S. Supreme Court nine to nothing. And so Merrick Garland plucks this guy out of obscurity. Okay, Julie Kelly also has about some uh, the, the the breaking video out of the uh, the Capitol, January 6th. She says, for two and a half years, Capitol Police Officer Aquilino Ganell has lied about injuries he says he sustained on January 6th. He has testified under oath and in federal court proceedings that he suffered near-death injuries. New January 6th videos contradicts Ganell's claims that protesters inflicted head, shoulder, hand, and foot injuries so egregious that he required surgery and medical leave, not to mention mental health trauma. In a victim impact statement made in court in May of this year, former officer Gunnell told the judge that he was, quote, bleeding from both hands, had a maimed foot, hit on the head, sprayed with pepper and bear spray, Beaten, punched, pushed, pulled, 
and assaulted by many other rioters as they try to gain entrance, unquote. Well, Julie Kelly, on her Twitter feed, has an embedded video, and here's how she describes it. Here he is for several minutes near the body of Roseanne Boyland at around 4.50 p.m. on January 6th, after the protest and violence ended. His hands show no sign of injury, nor does his shoulder as he takes off his gear. His feet seem just fine. He is seen kicking items out of the area, and his head, which had been protected by a riot helmet, shows no sign of injury either. Not only did Officer Gunnell lie to Congress and federal judges in victim impact statements, he has repeatedly lied during media interviews and on social media about his experience. And then she has a five-minute clip of him on CNN appearing to have suffered no physical injuries on January 6th, tearfully telling CNN about his woes. And then we have his testimony before the January 6th Select Committee on C-SPAN. Part of his sworn testimony, the January 6th Committee, July 2021, quote, this is how I'm going to die, unquote. He also lied about trying to save Roseanne Boyland. There is no video of him attempting to resuscitate her at any point. Further video of Roseanne's lifeless body at 4.27 p.m. does not show Gunnell anywhere in her vicinity. After Republicans won the House of Representatives and threatened numerous investigations, including into January 6th, Officer Gunnell Retired. He again lied about what happened on CNN with Jake Tapper and Julie Kelly embeds that video. Now, a guy who goes by Senior Chief over there on Twitter, who's 13 years active duty USMC, another 13 years U.S. Naval Reserve post 9-11, says January 6th was a carefully crafted narrative, a narrative that is keeping political prisoners. Okay. So having said all that, the great John Solomon over justthenews.com has the article entitled New January 6th Footage, Secret Service Dropped Kamala Harris Off Near Undetected DNC Pipe Bomb. Well, I got to think it wasn't really a pipe bomb then because the Secret Service doesn't get paid to goof up that bad. Lee, that bad, Lee. Sorry, it's late as I'm doing this. And they have the embedded video in the article. John Solomon shows how the Secret Service failed to follow security protocol on January 6, 2021, when VP-elect Kamala Harris was in the same location where a pipe bomb had been planted the day before. Exclusive footage from Justin News shows the pipe bomb being placed under a bench, followed by Kamala Harris and her security detail in the area near the explosive. 
Well, I got to think maybe it wasn't actually an explosive then. Know what I'm saying? Maybe it wasn't actually an explosive. The great Miranda Devine, who wrote the book about Hunter's laptop, and was censored all over the place, over there on Twitter saying, as more info comes to light from whistleblowers or is prized out of the bowels of the FBI, you have to ask what the Trump DOJ was up to when Biden corruption allegations were flooding in. The deep state worked hard to protect Joe Biden, but why did Trump appointees let them? Julie Kelly says, exactly. If Bill Barr has time to routinely bloviate over on Fox News, he has time to publicly testify about what he was doing in 2020. Whitmer Whitmer fed napping, Durham, Weiss, riots, election fraud, and this. Oh, yeah. Well, I tell you what, Julie Kelly is the gal of the hour. I've got more for you. IRS whistleblower again confirmed. Recently, the D.C. U.S. Attorney Matt Graves, appointed by Biden in 2021, declined to prosecute Hunter Biden for tax crimes committed in D.C. in 2014, omitted the first Burisma payments in 2015. That's right, Matt Graves, D.C. U.S. Attorney now, prosecuting all these January 6th people. He made a decision in March 2022, the same month that his wife, Fatima Goss Graves, visited the White House at least five five times, according to official visitor logs. Ms. Goss Graves is head of a $100 million nonprofit that promotes far-left causes. National Women's Law Center is heading up the character assassination campaign, targeting conservative Supreme Court judges, especially Clarence Thomas, since her husband was confirmed by the Senate November 2021, Goss Graves has been given essentially an all-access pass to the Biden White House. She's attended high-level events with Joe Biden, Jill Biden, Kamala Harris, top cabinet officials, and Democrat lawmakers. She even attended concerts by Elton John and James Taylor. Nice, if that's your thing. Meanwhile, her husband is prosecuting over 1,000 Trump supporters for the events of January 6th with promises to double the existing caseload. His office announced new arrests just recently. So, again, now remember, 18 United States senators voted late last year with all the Democrat senators to give the DOJ and the FBI hundreds of millions more dollars to expand their efforts to go after Trump supporters. I mean, they are arresting people on January 6th charges who never got anywhere near the the Capitol building. And I don't know what state you live in, but a lot of my listeners are in Arkansas. Both of your senators, John Bozeman and Tom Cotton, voted to give DOJ and FBI more money to go after Republican voters and Trump himself. Just just so you know. Nope, you can't do anything about them anytime soon. Bozeman just won re-election last November. Tom Cotton's enough for re-election until 2026. And I guarantee you, for those of my listeners in, in Arkansas, 
I guarantee you, the overwhelming majority of people who will vote in November 2026 in the state of Arkansas have no idea that there would be any reason why they should vote against Tom Cotton. I was at a political meeting recently, Pulaski County, Arkansas, Republican Committee meeting. You got to be pretty politically involved to come to a meeting like that, right? I mean, we have like 70 or 80 people show up once a month. And I was telling one elderly gentleman who faithfully attends a meeting about Tom Cotton's vote. He was horrified. He had no idea. Because people always say, ah, we're going to primary you. Really? Are you? Because he's going to have millions to do as much advertising as he needs to do. So if you're going to primary somebody like that, you're going to have to come up with at least a million. At least. So let me know how that turns out. And it's not just Tom Cotton in Arkansas. It's Lindsey Graham in South Carolina. It's whatever rhino in whatever state. I always see in social media, oh, we're going to primary that guy. Boy, your job is done. Really? Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. So we got Sean Davis. The great Sean Davis, CEO and co-founder of The Federalist, over there on Twitter saying, the FBI source whose report was hidden by corrupt FBI agents told the agency that the founder of the Ukrainian energy company, Burisma, had 17 recordings of his bribery conversations with the Bidens. Two of the recordings included conversations with Joe Biden himself, while 15 were with Hunter Biden. Quote, Zlochevsky stated he has two documents, which confidential human source understood to be wire transfer statements, bank records, etc., that evidence some payments to the Bidens were made, presumably in exchange for the firing of Prosecutor Shokin. Now, Shokin was the Burisma prosecutor who was fired at Joe Biden's personal demand, the one he bragged about publicly. Instead of following the trail of evidence handed to DOJ and FBI on a silver platter, here's what happened. Democrats impeached Trump. FBI raided Trump's home. DOJ charged Trump with felonies. FBI and DOJ together hid this document, banned investigators from questioning the Biden family, and even secretly tipped the Biden family off about the investigation and then gave Hunt and then gave Hunter Biden a sweetheart plea deal to immunize him and make the whole investigation go away. This is the biggest corruption scandal in American history, and it's not even close. That's the great Sean Davis over the Federalist. The great Jesse Kelly, nationally syndicated radio talk show host out of Houston, is mocking this statement. Look at the evidence of the whistleblower the DOJ just charged. 
He says, let me stop you right there. This DOJ, and in fact, this entire government, has burned through all of its credibility. I assume everything is a lie, and every citizen should do the same. Also, if you'd like that credibility back, uh, start arresting government people and charging them with crimes until government people start going to prison. I assume everything is a lie. Let me know when San Francisco FBI agent Elvis Chan gets sentenced to 30 years in the federal penitentiary. And he was a guy leading the uh, illegal, unconstitutional, unwarranted censorship on social media in the lead-up to 2020. Yeah, that Elvis Chan. Okay, so more. Uh, we're going to try to get to Trump and DeSantis here in just a minute, but I got just a little bit more January 6th stuff. New York Times article, the case that could be Fox's next dominion. And their tweet says, Tucker Carlson repeatedly endorsed a conspiracy theory about an Arizona man inciting the January 6, 2021 assault on the Capitol. Now, lawyers representing Ray Epps and his wife are proceeding with plans to sue Fox News for defamation. Now, I find it interesting that they're not planning on suing Tucker just Fox News. I also find it interesting that, again, the great Sean Davis, the Federalist, responds at this very moment, still to this day. A photo of Ray Epps is still prominently featured on the FBI Washington field office's Pinned tweet. For those of you not on Twitter, that's the tweet you have front and center on your Twitter profile. As a person who committed violence at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Still, to this day. To this day. The FBI Washington Field Office says Ray Epps committed violence at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. is right there. The big wanted poster. He's one of the guys. Why haven't they taken that down? So, uh, and why haven't they prosecuted him? Prosecuted everybody else. But not Ray Epps. The FBI finally said Ray Epps is not one of theirs. Well, there are a bunch of other agencies. And I don't think any of the rest of them have denied Anything, have they? Nope. I don't think so. Now let's um, let's get to a little bit of what's been going on with uh, with Trump and with uh, DeSantis. A lot of stuff. See, one of the problems is if you've been in politics for a while, you, you have a record and you've said things and people start putting some of that stuff out there. 
So recently we've been seeing on social media some of the things that President Trump has said recently, some of the things he said in the past. He was asked recently by Maria Bartiromo over on Fox because he claimed he could bring the Ukraine-Russia war to a halt in 24 hours. Maria Bartiromo was like, well, how would, how would that work? How would you do that? Here's what happened. You said you could end the war in Ukraine in 24 hours. Yes, I How could. would you do that? Uh, I know Zelensky very well. I felt he was very honorable because when they asked him about the perfect phone call that I made, he said it was indeed perfect. He said it was, he didn't even know what they were talking about. He could have grandstanded, oh, I felt threatened. Well, that's not going to be enough for Putin to stop bombing. No, 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 I'm not saying that. I, what I'm saying is that I know Zelensky very well and I know Putin very well, even better. And I had a good relationship, very good with both of them. I would tell Zelensky, no more, you got to make a deal. I would tell Putin, if you don't make a deal, we're going to give them a lot. We're going to give them more than they ever got if we have to. Okay, wait. So what I don't understand is if you're already saying for Zelensky to hear that if he doesn't come to an agreement with Russia, then we're going to give you a lot more than all the billions and billions that the U.S. has already given you. I'm not sure how that would be an incentive for him to come to the negotiating table. It might be an incentive for Putin to, but I, I don't see any incentive for, for Zelensky to. Did you see the... Um, I don't watch Fox News anymore. They're dead to me. But I saw a clip the other day of when RFK Jr. was on with Sean Hannity. And he told Sean that twice Zelensky and Putin were ready to come to the negotiating table and the USA and NATO stopped it. Sean didn't like that. He tried to change the subject. But anyway, that's that's whole other show, I guess. So yeah, I, I don't quite get that. But a lot of stuff that well, okay, here is President Trump recently at a rally saying nice things about Hillary Clinton. I, I just thought it was kind of odd. So I took the name Crooked away from Hillary, and we gave her a new name. Beautiful. I call beautiful. It's just so beautiful. And, and, but I took it away because... I want it. I don't believe in the same name for two people. I don't like that. And I've never done this before. You know, I haven't. And you have to live with that name for the rest of your life. I'll go over the different names, but I won't. Because many of them are now friends of mine, okay? So Hillary's no longer crooked. She's now beautiful. I, I don't understand. And somebody said, well, that was taken out of context. Well, maybe so. Maybe so. What, um... What I had never heard before from uh, President Trump's inaugural, January 20th, 2017, and I had to um, edit some of the applause out because the clapping and stuff just went on for a long time. But anyway. Very, very honored when I heard that President Bill Clinton and Secretary Hillary Clinton was coming today, and I think it's appropriate to say, and I'd like you to stand up. I'd like you to stand up. 
And honestly, there's nothing more I can say because I have a lot of respect for those two people. So thank you all for being That was kind of a shock. Because when he was running for president, he said he's going to appoint a special counsel and that she ought to be in jail. And then when he gets inaugurated, I have a lot of respect for Bill and Hillary. I don't know. I just, you know, I just call balls and strikes. We report, you decide. All I'm saying is that we're seeing a lot of this stuff now floating around on social media that I didn't expect we would see. And, of course, the primaries are still months away. This one was kind of embarrassing because, um, well, I'll, I'll tell you why in a minute. This is back from when Trump was president. President Trump stunned lawmakers on both sides of the aisle Wednesday with his overarching demands for gun control. Take the firearms first and then go to court. After Vice President Mike Pence suggested court procedures for removing guns from dangerous people, Trump caught him and many in the room off guard by seeming to dismiss due process. I like taking the guns early. So you could do exactly what you're saying, but take the guns first, go through due process second. No, I'm certainly no fan of Mike Pence. Oh, man. Give me Donald Trump any day instead of Mike Pence. But, but, I don't know if you realize this or not, but I, I ran for office state of Arkansas last year. And I ran into people who said they were 100% Donald Trump supporters. Okay, well, that's good. Until... Until he came out against the Second Amendment, came out in favor of the red flag laws, wanted to take the guns away and do the due process later. That violates, well, not just the Second, but the Fourth Amendment. So anyway, um, so that that's going around on social media. And then uh, last but not least, what he said about FBI Director Christopher Wray. You happy with Chris Ray? But just so you understand, I put Chris Ray in because I wanted to have somebody in there that everybody, including the other side, really wanted. It may not have been the right move. Let's see. Time will tell, okay? But I wanted to have somebody in the FBI because I'm an honorable guy. I'm an honest guy. I may have made a mistake, but I put somebody in that the other side, everybody agreed to. You know who recommended him to me? Chris Christie. Okay, he recommended him. And that's okay. I don't mind that. I've taken Chris Christie's recommendations before. Uh, and other people wanted Christopher Ray, And people from the other side wanted Christopher Ray. But, but now and Jim I Jordan is investigating. So that's uh, Sean Hannity trying to gently persuade President Trump that maybe, maybe Christopher Ray is not such a good guy after all. But again, President Trump's saying, well, you know, we'll see how it turns out. Well, dude, he's been FBI director for six years, and he's trying to help put you in prison. So a lot of people, whether they're Trump fans or not, whether they're Trump supporters or not, are going, hey, 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 Christopher Ray's a bad guy. 
We don't want Donald Trump going to prison. We don't want any former president going to prison. Well, I mean, especially ones who haven't broken any laws. I know, I know, he'll have his day in court. The problem is he's going to have his day in several different courts. They're going after this guy for, well, that's a whole other show. But, um, you know, when you have guys as far out there, as far away from being a Trump supporter as Mitt Romney saying the prosecutions of Donald Trump are outrageous, there's no love lost between Mitt Romney and Donald Trump. And even Romney's like, whoa, wait a minute. This right here is no good. That ought to tell you something. You know? I mean, that's that's beyond the pale, what they're, what they're doing to this man. There's no question about it. Yeah, this, is, this is a lot deeper than politics. You know, anybody who says, hey, you know, this is great because they don't like Trump, well, they're, they're messed up in my book. Way messed up. I mean, you're acting like a total typical liberal if, if you're like, hey, I want, uh, you know, people I disagree with politically go to jail. You're messed up. Absolutely. Positively. Now, uh, Rod DeSantis. Rod DeSantis was on with uh, Megyn Kelly. She's got a podcast these days. You know, she used to be on Fox, and then she went over to NBC for a few minutes, and long knives were out for her. They got rid of her. Had to give her millions on the way out the door. But um, Megyn Kelly asking Governor DeSantis if somehow or another he wound up in the Oval Office, would he pardon President Trump, and it went something like this. Would you commit to pardoning him on any federal charges against him? Well, what I've said is very simple. Um, I'm going to do what's right for the country. I don't think it would be good for the country to have an almost 80-year-old former president go to prison. Um, so that's a yes. It doesn't seem like it would be a good thing. And I look at, like, you know, Ford, uh, pardon Nixon, took took some heat for it. But at the end of the day, it's like, do we want to move forward as a country or do we want to be mired in these past controversies? So there you got DeSantis. And look, um, you can say what you want, but President Trump, you know, started attacking DeSantis a few days before he was reelected governor back in November of last year. Uh, President Trump recently put out a statement that uh, DeSantis is collaborating with the Biden Department of Justice to try to take Trump down, which is just one of the craziest things I think I've ever read. I'm like, dude, what are you what are you even doing here? And then DeSantis sounds kind of like the voice of reason. <laughs> of course I would pardon him. What do you want to send an almost 80-year-old former president to prison? What? So, um, what they are trying to do to this former president is really outrageous. And like I say, when you when you got guys 
that are hardly ever right about anything. Like, for instance, Mitt Romney. Even he's saying, hey, man, this is, uh, this is messed up right here. Well, you know it is. Mitt Romney's never going to be able to win over any Trump supporters. As a matter of fact, he has a conservative uh, mayor in Utah there who is challenging him uh, in the Republican primary next year in Utah. And he's not going to be able to win over Trump supporters just by saying this is the wrong thing to do. He's just, it just, it just is. He just had to say it, you know? Anyway, um, let me, uh, let me share with you today's tweet of the day that is brought to you by Red River Auto. The big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom, to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental USA. Today's tweet of the day is one I did myself. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Signal app. But when I was running for governor last year, I had two different attorneys who didn't even know each other. Tell me the same day, hey, Doc, you need to get on the Signal app. I thought it was social media or something. I'm like, what, what is the Signal app? They said, well, it is a way that you can talk to people on the phone, even conference calls, that you can text people, even group texts, and it's encrypted and nobody can hack it. Now, you know, people say, well, everything's hackable somehow or another, but all I know is, um, once I started talking to people that way, I found out a lot of lawyers and a lot of political type people are on the Signal app. Okay. And I, you know, I usually just use the regular phone, but the Signal app is something you download to your cell phone and you have to give it access to your address book or it won't work. But then you can talk to folks if they, you know, if there's ever something you feel like, I need to talk to you about this, but not on the phone. That's what the Signal app is supposed to work for. Well, as I was doing show prep for today's podcast, I had the ringer on my phone turned up. And I can always tell when I'm getting something on the Signal app because it's a different sound than just my phone ringing or getting a regular text on my phone. So I'm hearing that, that signal app sound. I'm like, oh, wonder who's contacting me over there. And so I look, and it's what they call a message request from someone I don't know. And it's a picture of a young lady who looks to be Chinese and um, Signal says, no groups in common, review requests carefully, learn more. And you click on learn more, you can learn more and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, here's her message that she's requesting me accept so I can respond to it. It says, 
Hello, my name is Rita. My uncle asked me to come find you. Oh, my goodness. So I thought I'd have a little bit of fun on Twitter. I did a screenshot of it, and I put it on Twitter. And I said, hey, y'all, I just got this message request over on the Signal app. What are the odds it might not be 100% legit? <laughs> Hashtag Signal app. <laughs> Before I put it on Twitter, I was on a group text with some buddies of mine. Yeah, that's the funnier part. Because I asked them. I said, so I just got this message request over on the Signal app. What are the odds it's not legit? And a buddy of mine says, oh, about a thousand percent. And uh, one of my brothers said, you may use one of my go-to answers. And I said, you see, that's what I was thinking. I was going to ask my peeps on Twitter, but I thought I would run it by you guys first. And then I said to my brother, you know, I've always wondered what your go-to answers are. But I don't think we've ever had this conversation. So he said, quote, I have the mange, unquote. (laughs) And then another buddy of mine said, hey, thanks. Your uncle knows how much I need cash. (laughs) That is pretty good stuff. That is pretty good stuff. So I hope you enjoyed that tweet of the day. And thank you to Mitch Ward and my friends at Red River Auto. You've been listening to episode 399 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. If you have any questions for us, email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X, Senior Vice President, Engineering, IT, and Interoperability for the Doc Washburn Show. Well, that's the way it is. Friday, July 28th, 2023.